Hey, welcome NFL football fans. Hope everyone had a fantastic Merry Christmas. Is that time again, time for NFL football talk. This is an Inside Sports production. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith, Jr. And here we are. We're all the way up to week 17 of the 2017 NFL season. Final weeks. We still got uh, teams in contention. We've got, what, six teams fighting for four playoff spots. We'll see what happens. We're going to preview those games. Also give you a few gambling tips and uh, catch up on all the latest NFL news as we do every single week. So let's get into it. As you know, I do not work alone here. I do enlist the help of the very, very best. Here he is now. Man, many of you already follow on Twitter. And if not, you should be. You follow him at Chris L Sports. That's at C-H-R-I-S, the letter L, and then sports. A proud alum of Rutgers University and one of my favorite, in fact, my very favorite East Coast intellectuals from somewhere in an undisclosed location in Southern California. Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening out there, man? Charles, as always, thanks again for the fantastic introduction. Um, I can't believe it seems like maybe three weeks ago we were doing our preview shows in <laughs> August, and uh, I don't know where the season went, but it all comes down to this, and say what you want about this season with injuries and controversy and ho-hum play, but uh, as always, the NFL's got their, uh, their, their Week 17 playoff drama, so at least they'll get their money's worth out of that. And then shortly after that, everyone's favorite time of year, the coaching carousel will begin on January 1. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, hey, you know what? I like the way that it kind of played out this year because we we have only really kind of pretty likely playoff scenarios, not too many. This team needs a tie and things like that. What it is is, bottom line, we got five different teams fighting for uh, three open playoff spots. Carolina in the NFC is already assured, but they can move. They have the best chance for movement because they could finish anywhere from number two if they win and the uh, New Orleans Saints lose to the Buccaneers. They actually win the uh, NFC South, and so they could finish uh, at the number two seed provided Minnesota loses also, and uh, or they could finish all the way down at number five, but they are guaranteed to be in. The most intriguing, though, in the NFC is uh, Atlanta and Seattle. What it comes down to is Atlanta plays Carolina this week. If Atlanta wins, they're in. If Atlanta loses and Seattle, as we expect, beats the devil out of Arizona, then Seattle is in. So a lot of drama to be had there in the NFC. But only two teams, but plenty of drama. Absolutely. It comes down to that Carolina-Atlanta game will be a huge one. And uh, just when we thought the – Seahawks were dead and we're about to kick dirt on them. Uh, looks like the Dallas Cowboys helped them out to keep the Seahawks playoff hopes alive. So uh, don't definitely don't count them down yet, out yet, especially with Carolina having so much to play for. I mean, that's not a given, even with Atlanta being at home, that they win that game. I, I think that could uh, be potentially the matchup of the week. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Roger Goodell this week also trying a strategic move. He moved the one game that uh, really had playoff implications to uh, 125 out here on the West Coast, 425 Eastern, and that is the uh, Baltimore game. Baltimore playing Cincinnati. So now you have all the teams that are have their playoff futures uh, hanging in the balance. They're all going to start at 125, which actually gives me very little reason to even turn on the TV before 125. I mean, we'd like to see Minnesota and Chicago. Minnesota wins, then they lock up the two-seed overall. But uh, any reason why I should really start watching football before 125 this, this weekend out here on the West Coast? Give me a reason here, Chris. 
Yeah, considering fantasy football is all but wrapped up for most people, uh, I guess unless you're a gambler in Vegas or uh, stayed in Nevada or um, do so illicitly, I can't give you a good enough reason. I'm sorry, Charles. <laughs> okay, and then we also have to admit adieu to a few teams that fought it out valiantly but were eliminated just yesterday in Week 16 for playoff contention. Adios to my Miami Dolphins, uh, the Oakland Raiders, the Detroit Lions, and the Dallas Cowboys who came up short against the Seattle Seahawks. One thing I noticed about Dallas, and just kind of taking note, and I've watched players, you just watch their uh, demeanor, their expressions, and is it me or does Dak Prescott, does he really seem to be laboring out there when he's playing? He really seems to do a lot of huffing and puffing, even more so than Russell Wilson, who actually does run around all game long because of his horrible offensive line. Yeah, I don't understand it. I don't know if it's stress or what, but he does not look like the same quarterback as last year. And right. even with the, as we thought, Ezekiel Elliott coming back would really help that team offensively. It didn't at all. So uh, I guess we can attribute it to the sophomore jinx. I'm really not sure. And also, is it time for Dallas maybe when we look at the a little bit of even before Zeke went out, though, they weren't really performing up to snuff. Is it time to maybe take a critical look at Jason Garrett? What do you think? I think so. I mean, I really don't know what he's done. And even last year when they had a phenomenal regular season, they came up short in the playoffs. Um, uh, I mean, Jerry Jones, look, he, he's previously had an itchy trigger finger. He's run through many coaches and his breakup with Jimmy Johnson after the two Super Bowl wins is well documented. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, Jones seems to have a soft spot in his heart for Garrett. And uh I, at the same token, would not be shocked if he's back in 2018. But uh, I, I think it's it's warranted for him to be on the hot seat. He really underachieved this year. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And then over in the AFC, you know, I like the the playoff scenario there because we got four teams fighting. We got Baltimore, who should win. All they need is a win over Cincinnati this week. But Cincinnati is a division rival. Baltimore's a heavy favorite, but you never know what's going to happen in those games. Another division rivalry coming up with playoff implications. That's Tennessee and Jacksonville. That should be a big game. And actually all of them because we've got the uh, L.A. Chargers going to be playing out here. And it will be a, a sea of silver and black when they play Oakland out here. And then we got Buffalo at Miami. So you got all these division matchups and all of them with division foes who can play the role of spoiler somehow. So this is really the first time I've seen something like this happen in the final week of the season for one of the conferences. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last year we had the Redskins that controlled their own destiny and the Giants had nothing to play for. Their seed was locked in and they played hard and beat the Redskins, but mm -hmm. you've got that uh, by what, three or four fold this week. So um, really going to be interesting to see which uh, for essentially these teams like the Raiders and so forth, this is their playoff game. They could send someone home and get some sort of revenge. Yeah, that's true. And the good news for all you Charger fans out there, uh, head coach Doug Marone of the Jacksonville Jaguars says he's not going to be resting any starters when they play that game against Tennessee because the Chargers need to beat Oakland and they need Tennessee to uh, lose that game and also have uh, Baltimore win so that they can get in. So that's good news for them. But Tennessee, I think just trending downward, even though they very well could have won yesterday were it not for a couple of ridiculous uh, plays and gaffes and things like that. But Tennessee, a lot of losers of three straight. It's going to be tough for them to beat Jacksonville. And I think Jacksonville, for the whole division rivalry thing, they're not going to let them off the hook tomorrow or on yeah. Sunday, rather. Absolutely. And this is a team that's going to be playing in week one of the playoffs. They won't get a bye. So even though 
you run the risk and the Tony Dungy school of thought is rest all your starters. Uh, I give him a own credit because they, they lost a tough one last week to the 49ers. He probably doesn't want his team to lose momentum. And frankly, uh, the way they played last week, they probably need some work. And um, I, look, I, I think, uh, I, I think that the, the way the Titans are playing, frankly, they could be in the market for a new head coach if they lose. So a lot's riding on the line here in this game. Yeah, it's true. Well, a new head coach. And also, I just wonder about uh, Marcus Mariota. Is he taking just kind of too much of a pounding? Is he starting to get maybe a little bit skittish there in the, in the pocket? Talented quarterback, but the pounding that you take at the NFL level is something that is really uh, – it's not for the average mortal. Absolutely not. And I think Russell Wilson has seen that too. I mean, you got to give that guy credit. He really gets hit a lot and scrambles out of a lot of trouble. But I think Mariota is going to have to learn um, – at some point, you do need to use your feet. You don't need to be a Cam Newton and run all the time and take these big hits and, and risk injury, but you do need to evade the pocket, slide out and throw. And uh, I don't know if it's more of an, an indictment on the Titans' offensive line, but I think it definitely had effect on Mariota this year. His third year, he's really been trending upward. A lot of things are expected, and frankly, he had an average season. Yeah, he did. And uh yeah, your banner fell down behind you again. As we talk about, it's just so ironic the timing of that uh, banner falling down each time it does. We talk about the fall of Mariota, your banner comes down right at the right time there. But, yeah, I think you're right, though. It's not scripted, believe it or not. <laughs> okay, and let's see. we got to talk about the 49ers. we got to give them props. I mean, winners are four straight. Uh, they beat Tennessee last week, or just yesterday, a couple of days ago. But they look to be trending upwards. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he is actually the real deal. And so going into next season, uh, lots of hope for Niners fans that uh, they can go ahead and come out of hiding and probably wear their colors again. Yeah, I really think this is a team to watch out for. I know it's early and we might be getting ahead of ourselves here, but this could easily be next year's Rams. They're going to have a last place game. Schedule. Uh, Garoppolo really looks like a seasoned quarterback that's learned a lot under Belichick and Brady. Got a lot of young defensive talent. I mean, they had a couple pieces in the draft or free agency. Uh, watch out. I don't think this is too crazy to say. They could be a playoff team. Yeah, that's true. And in talking about those Rams, what I, hey, I may have said it last week, but something I like about the Rams, and that's the team that plays out here. We're local here in Southern California, everybody. So we will actually be seeing playoff football uh, at the Coliseum. The Rams, it just seems in the last few weeks, and like I said, they're having trouble against tougher teams, but they have kicked it into another gear now. They buried the Seahawks when they played them, uh, played tough again last week, and, and Todd Gurley just seems to be, as the season goes on, he's just getting stronger and stronger and really making a bid for what he and uh, what Le'Veon Bell being the best running backs in the NFL. Absolutely. And further to that, I think he's got to be one of the front runners for MVP. Seems like whenever this guy touches a ball, whether it's a run, a screen pass, you name mm -hmm. it, uh, anything can happen. He's electric. He leaps over guys. He just flat out, out outruns guys. And it's it's nice to see because last year he really struggled and a lot of people writing him off and debating whether he was really a legit elite NFL running back. And then hand in hand with that, uh, don't hear too many Jared Goff detractors now. I mean, Sean McVay's done a tremendous <laughs> job and front office added to the offensive line to help him out but uh, he looks like a completely different quarterback and a lot of that has to do with Todd Gurley 
Yeah, definitely. So as you know, every week here, we, well, normally we do the fantasy football tips, but the uh, fantasy football seasons are ending now. So we're not going to have that segment this week, but we are going to go to the picks of the week and do the gambler's delight. But before we get into that, Mr. Lardieri, you always have a lot of uh, good observations and things and a little bit of wisdom here for the fans. What do you got for us this week? Now, something you just hit on. We may have two playoff teams here in LA and it'd be interesting to see if anyone notices or cares. I mean, there is definitely a, a predominant Ram fan base here, and I think it would be cool to see them have a home playoff game at the Coliseum. It looks like they'll have the three seed and potentially could play a team like the Falcons if they get in, which I think would be an intriguing matchup. But uh, this is a team I don't think they'd be one and done. I, I think they really – the cards fall into place. They could make a run at least to the NFC Championship. Uh, as we talked about, the offense is completely turned around. Wade Phillips has done a phenomenal job with the defense. And then on the flip side, the Chargers, who everyone had written off at 0-4, I mean, really a great turnaround story. Um, I know they, they struggled against the Chiefs and really didn't, couldn't put the Jets away last week. But uh, if they can beat the Raiders in what essentially will be a uh, an Oakland home game at the StubHub Center in Carson, I mean, uh, I think that's another great story, a team that – can't seem to find a kicker and rookie head coach. A lot of people question and doubts about Phillip Rivers. And this is a team on the cusp of the playoffs. And all those years in San Diego with a loyal fan base, they couldn't make it. So uh, two interesting stories here in the, the L.A. area to keep an eye on. Yep, there we go. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into it. Before we get into the picks, though, one thing, and this is something that we were been talking about the last couple of weeks with the ratings of football and Got a chance to chat with another longtime NFL fan this weekend over uh, Christmas break. And, well, he was saying the same thing, that uh, about following games and not necessarily watching them. And he was talking about second generation now. His son is a football fan and has a favorite team and, in fact, loves the Cowboys just like his dad does. But his son does not really sit and watch games. He's, his dad watches games and says, did you see that play? He says, yeah, he saw it because every time there's a great play, it gets a notification on the phone and he gets to watch the play that he needs to see. But they don't sit and watch games anymore. He just follows the score and then you watch the plays you want to see. But there's no reason this generation coming up really doesn't see a reason to sit down in front of the T3 for three, three and a half hours to watch a game. I could definitely see that. You know, my son, we've talked about this, loves the Red Zone channel. When you think about it, he's probably doing a little more than your typical young football fan looking at his phone or handheld device or laptop or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. But if anything, it makes it more interesting for these young kids because you're only seeing the best plays. You're only seeing when a team gets in a scoring position or maybe a great defensive play happens. And you don't have to sit through the tedium of multiple replays and commercials and timeouts and slow play so um yeah definitely this generation is watching football but they're consuming it differently and i think that's really uh something the nfl needs to look at i mean i guess we're old farts now to sit down and <laughs> watch whole games or maybe flip between a few games so they're gonna have to figure out how they market it to the uh, younger generation if they want to continue this tremendous growth yeah, that's true, and it's all about the Benjamins, so it's really, when we say it, talk about marketing, it's not even about following the league, so if everyone is just watching, following, and not watching game, how do you keep those big advertising dollars coming in? That is the million, or excuse me, the billion dollar question, I should say. Absolutely, and you know, getting back to Benjamins, I still say Kelvin Benjamin caught a touchdown this past Sunday, but that's a side topic. <laughs> 
Okay, so let's go ahead and get into the picks of the week. Uh, normally, we did five games a week. Uh, just last week, there were only two good games. We picked those. Uh, we finished one and one that week. This week, we're doing the three of the more intriguing matchups. And on the season, we're actually doing pretty well, and we're pretty close. I lead Chris by one game overall. I'm 40 and 27. Chris is 39 and 28. And Mr. Lardieri, break down the first game for us, which should be a doozy. The aforementioned NFC South showdown, the Carolina Panthers, who right now appear to be in the driver's seat, head to Atlanta to play the Falcons. This always seems to be a, a key matchup, no matter what the year is. Um, frankly, I like the way the Panthers are playing. Oh, Cam, if he's not throwing the ball, he's running it in. They seem to be getting a little bit of a better rhythm on offense, but uh, defense is really what makes or breaks his team. Luke Keekley's there. They seem to play well. Um I really didn't like what I saw from the Falcons against the Saints. I mean, I picked the Saints last week, but I didn't think it would be that one-sided. I don't know what's going on if Matt Ryan just kind of having the uh, Super Bowl hangover, if it's Steve Sarkeesian's play calling, but Julio Jones involved in the offense like they did in previous years, Devontae Freeman. Um, not quite sure what really is going on there with the play calling. I think, honestly, they miss Kyle Shanahan. That said, even though they're going into Atlanta, I'm going to pick the Panthers. They control their own destiny. The momentum's there. Like you said, they could be as high as a three seed or a two or three seed. Mm -hmm. I think that really weighs heavily on this game, and I'm picking the Panthers. Yeah, that's true. And the Panthers, you know, they got to Super Bowl 50, even though it wasn't uh, the result that they wanted. But, yeah, I like the way the Panthers are playing also, even though they are four-point underdog this game, uh, curiously. But, yeah, they're playing well. Atlanta is just not trending the way I'd like to see them trend. Uh, Carolina, and I think what Carolina is going to do, even though they're assured of a playoff spot, they're not going to make the same mistake that the Chicago Bears made when Jay Cutler was playing quarterback. That was the 2011 season. They could have beaten the Green Bay Packers and kept the Packers out of the playoffs. Instead, they go in, they tank that game. The Packers make it to the playoffs, beat the Bears in the championship game, and win the Super Bowl. So, yeah, no laying down in these games that mean more to the other team than they do to you. I think they go down. This is also a division rivalry game, so this plays into next season and seasons beyond. A lot of psychology going here. Carolina's not going to lay down for them. I think they go into Atlanta and uh, they break the hearts of the Falcons, and that will cause a very uncomfortable offseason there for the Atlanta Falcons as well. Absolutely, and I think they'll be shopping for a new offensive coordinator if that's the case. If not, uh, maybe some personnel as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then the next game, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars sitting at uh, sitting at ten and five, all a short of a playoff spot. They don't really have anything to play for, and in fact, they are a three and a half point underdog in this game at Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee, they've lost three straight. They have to win this game, but you know, Jacksonville, one of those teams with with good defense, fast defense, and we talked about Mariota being a little skittish in the pocket. So, and another thing, a division game, this is something you're going to see them not only this season, but next season going in. I just like the way that Jacksonville's been playing. I, I can't see Tennessee breaking out of the funk that they're in and not against a team as good as Jacksonville. And head coach Doug Marone says he's not resting any starters. So, three-and-a-half-point underdog or not, and the fact that Tennessee actually has to win this game or their playoff hopes are done, still, i got to go Jacksonville. I'm going to agree with you for all those reasons and the fact that uh, I just like the matchup of the Jacksonville defense against the Tennessee offense. I don't think right. they get lit up again like they did in San Francisco against Garoppolo. 
they need this game to get tuned up for week one of the playoffs. And, hey, let's remember, Doug Marone's boss is Tom Coughlin. And once upon a time, the undefeated Patriots came to town in week 17, and <laughs> he started all his Giants players, and that momentum carried over into a huge Super Bowl upset uh, a month later. So I'm going Jaguars as well. Yep, there we go. And then uh, break down those last game here for us, which – should be more intriguing than it looks on paper because these teams are another division matchup where the uh, Niners lost to the uh, lost to the Rams 41 to 39 a barn burner in week three but now the two teams both of them playing differently uh, and both of them playing very well so four four game winning streak for the Niners who are going into the Coliseum to play the Rams who are also red hot yeah, and, you know, normally I'd pick the Rams, but when you look at it, they're locked into that three seed. Uh, while I do think they'll probably play their starters, I think ultimately the Goffs and Gurleys of the world and the Aaron Donalds won't finish the game. And the fact that we go back to momentum, I mean, it's a fantastic story of what Kyle Shanahan's done. When the team was down and winless, they were in a lot of games. They were playing competitively. It's like they just missed that spark, and that spark was clearly Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they want to trend into next year. They want to beat a division rival. They know they had their shot to beat the Rams in that excellent Thursday night game in September. So I'm going to pick the 49ers. I'm a believer in Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan in the upset. (laughs) Well, they are a three-point underdog. I think it's going to kind of turn into one of those if the game is close type of things. It would be terrible for the Rams to suffer an injury right before the playoffs. But – uh, it, 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 you only really wind up getting injuries when you're trying to play to avoid them. I think the Rams are going to play this game out uh, in front of their home crowd here. Uh, the Rams have to they have to win this game. And the Niners are playing well, but the Rams are trying to prove that they're actually an elite team, that they do belong. So this is going to be a lot of intrigue. This may wind up being the game of the week if Carolina-Atlanta is not. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Rams to win this game. Stop that uh, Niners momentum, and remember uh, to let the Niners know that no matter, they may be be getting good, but the Rams are now the big dog on the block here, and they got to prove it this week. Rams all the way. It's about time we disagree. I guess either I'll be tied with you or you'll have a commanding two-game lead over me this time next week. Yep, heading into the playoffs too. You know, i got to pick up my momentum. (laughs) All about the momentum in Week 17. (laughs) Common theme. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so those are the three games and should be great games. Remember, all of them start at 125 uh, Pacific time out here on the uh, West Coast. So, Gambler's Delight special, as you know, every week we uh, go ahead and just give you some advice. And maybe you're in Las Vegas where betting on sports is legal. You got $20 burning a hole in your pocket. You're walking by the sports book. Everybody loves to bet on football. We do. And the NFL knows it, even though I don't say anything about it. So, if you had to make one bet, $20, you're at the sports book, at the window, looking over the cards. Mr. Lardieri, where would you be putting your 20? Uh, unlike last week where I was kind of grasping for straws, and thankfully it paid off. Thank you, 49ers, underdog, <laughs> one outright. Um, there are two games that kind of caught my eye. The first one was Jacksonville. You know, I kind of hesitated there just because there's really no playoff implications, but one's playing the starters. Um, that's one I kind of like, but the one I like better – the Carolina Panthers, as we mentioned, go into Atlanta. I did a double take on this one. I checked to make sure no one was hurt or anything significant had changed in either of these two lineups. Panthers are getting four points. As we mentioned, I think they're going to win outright, but to be safe, take the four. If it turns out to be a field goal loss, you cover your bet. Uh, I really think the Panthers are the better team here. I'm not sure why 
the market has priced it this way, but uh, I'll say it's a late Christmas gift and I'll take it. <laughs> there you go. And you know what? I, I like that other game though with Jacksonville. Jacksonville getting three and a half at Tennessee. Tennessee, like I said, not playing well. And Jacksonville playing the starters. And this is the same thing as the Rams here. Jacksonville is trying to establish themselves as a dominant team in that division. And they can't go in and lay an egg against Tennessee in the final week of the season. So take Jacksonville, take that three and a half points. And again, as Mr. Lardieri said, if they win by that aforementioned, if they lose by that aforementioned field goal, you're still covered. I like the way you think. <laughs> Except for last week when I said to play the over on the uh, – on the uh, Atlanta and, uh, and New Orleans game, but which didn't work out well. But anyway, hey, you know, you can't win them all. Absolutely. We'll just blame the Falcons like we do every other week. <laughs> okay. So we're just about ready to get out of here. Remember, everybody, you can follow me on Twitter at The Inside Sports. Follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. That's at C-H-R-I-S, letter L, and then sports. Uh, Mr. Lardieri, before we go ahead and get out of here and get ready to plan our New Year's Eve parties, uh, you got any uh, final words for us? Sure, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier about the uh, the key playoff implication games all being 125 Pacific, 425 Eastern. You know, what's happened in college football is they moved the two national semifinal games to New Year's Day because the ratings weren't as good on New Year's Eve. So I'd be interested to see if the NFL is immune to that or how the consumer will react to that. You know, the thinking was a lot of people aren't going to watch football uh, late afternoon on the East Coast, early afternoon on the West Coast, and so forth. So uh, people are headed out to parties or you know, maybe just out and about or looking to stay home with their family and really not watching uh, football. But I'd be interested to see, is the NFL different? How will the ratings be? And um, that's just one kind of trying to keep an eye on. And another one, you know, for all you kids out there gambling, last night's Eagles-Raiders game, you know, it's Tennessee football too, 10-7 game, the Raiders are winning, and thanks to uh, turnovers, the game's tied. The Eagles kick a field goal late to go ahead, and then uh, just the, the Raiders couldn't execute a Hail Mary, so we tried this latest and greatest thing, the laterals, and uh, that got returned for a touchdown. So I'm um, sure it turned around a lot of fantasy championship games, and depending on how many points you were giving as an Eagles better or Raiders better, um, it's just stuff like that. You see these crazy outlier-type plays. Kids, don't gamble. <laughs> Although we advocate, right? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll say this. Just like they say in commercials for alcohol, I'll just say this. Gamble responsibly. There we go. Will anyone yes. just say that? Gamble yes. responsibly? Yes, do that. Yeah. Anyone betting on a Monday night Raiders-Eagles game on Christmas night uh, is not responsible. That, that's our caveat. That's true. You got to think if you're you're doing certain things like that, then you just uh, you might want to call Gamblers Anonymous because you, you kind of got a problem there. Yes, it happens. It happens. Hey, we all have a drink every now and then, but some of us are alcoholics. That's what it comes down to. That's life. Okay, so we're out right now. So remember, like I said, the Twitter handles at the Inside Sports and also at Chris L Sports. And for Mr. Chris Lardieri and Charles E. Smith Jr., thank you for watching NFL Football Talk. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll be back next week to preview Wild Card Weekend. Happy New Year. Frank here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah.